got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Guys, what's going on? Jeb here, and welcome back to Coffee and Crypto. We go live 9:30 Eastern every single morning, every single weekday morning, bringing you the highest quality technical, on-chain, and fundamental analysis of the broader cryptocurrency markets. And today, there is some major news that has come out about the adoption of Bitcoin and crypto. Let me just go over some of these headlines for you. JP Morgan is going to be getting into the metaverse. NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, getting into NFTs. YouTube is exploring Web 3.0. Blockchain is leading the charge on Web 3. There's a new act coming before Congress called Keep Your Coins, and Warren Buffett just invested a billion dollars in some cryptocurrency ventures. Massive fundamental developments happening on Bitcoin that are going to help Bitcoin to go back up to that $52,000 region, which I am calling the gate to all-time high. We're going to be talking about all of that and more in today's episode. I am joined, as always, by Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I am doing splendiferously amazing this morning, Ooh, and uh, I am one. absolutely feeling uh, bullish about the market right now. Uh, it seems like uh, we're starting to get a little bit of that back end wind uh, that we needed, uh, you know, the tailwind, I should say, push, pushing us forward that uh, Smey was actually uh, alluding to, I guess, about a week or two ago, where you know, we're having all this on chain metrics that is so bullish all the time, but we're still having the sideways and somewhat down price action. And we've been waiting on something of this sort, some positive momentum within the news so we can start shifting that sentiment and we've got we're starting to get it and i can't wait to dive into that today but before we do that i think we have a very very special unique guest in house yeah. so why don't we just throw yeah, it right over to his camera yeah hey tim welcome back buddy what is up everybody i'm back in florida great trip i don't know if you can see it on camera i think i have like wind slash like snow like oh burns, i saw that like That's right that there is. in my head and our cheek it was cold like i, I think majority Majority of the days we were there, it was like five degrees or colder. But I'm gonna tell you what, freaking snowmobiling. Mm. I highly recommend. If you have never been snowmobiling, uh, drop what you're doing, finish the show, finish the show. drop what yes. you're doing, and go snowmobiling because that is the jam. Uh, also, did a double black that kicked my butt three years ago, but I freaking crushed it this time. Ooh. I, I'm I'm just gonna say right now, Jeb. I think that we should do a snowboarding slash snowmobiling meetup mm. with all of our fans. That is such a good idea. It's not even funny. I I would love to do that. Drop a one in chat if you'd like to do a snowboarding snowmobiling meetup with myself and Tim yeah. and Smay. Smay, we gotta teach you how to snowboard, dude. We gotta get you in here. Speaking of which, Smay, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing, guys. I'm doing, and I have my friend here, Zach. He is my he is my my bestest, most closest, most. Uh, I love this guy so much. He is the best. So my heart. Oh yeah. So uh, anyways, I would like to take this opportunity to share the love that I feel by being next to Zach right now, and I'm going to shout out some members, and those members are as follows: Crypto Alchemist, the Bitcoin the Bitcoinologist, Ronald Moon, Shadrach Frost, Christopher McFarland, Grand Roofing Incorporated, Leon the Dutch, TZ, Crypto Set Guy, Ricardo Vinegas, and Mike Markle. Oh, Dennis Pizarca, too. Oh, you guys are the best, man. I love you guys. I love Zach. This is the best. Uh, you know, let's go. Let's get it. Josiah, I think it's Josiah Ramirez said that dude's beard runs the crypto industry. Tim. It's true. Did your beard run the crypto industry while you were in Maine? It's true. It did. But you know what happened? You don't know the price dipped over the weekend is because the beard got frozen. Like oh, literally gosh. most of my runs oh, would come no. down the snow would shut up and my beard had turned white. It was frozen. <laughs> I could like lick like 
like off my mustache, I could like, lick icicles. <laughs> it was, like I said, it was five degrees. So Oof. that makes sense. That's pretty rough. Well, yeah. it kept you warm. So there you go. Yep. Guys, what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and jump into a market pulse. Let's go ahead and jump onto my screen. We're going to take a look at coin market cap. Bitcoin currently sitting at $42,375 and change. If we look over at the chart itself, we can see the last 24 hours or so, we've seen a little bit of a drop. Bitcoin was sitting up here right around dollars. Uh, it was in this megaphone pattern right here is what that would be called. Generally speaking, this will break to the upside. Has not broken down just yet, but depending on how you draw it, you could argue that we have. You can see right here, you could argue that we've just broken bearish out of that. I would say that both of these are outliers and Bitcoin is still in this pattern that is pointing to the upside. But we're going to look at that a little bit later. Just want to give you a brief update on the price. Ethereum is currently sitting at $3,068, down about 2% in the last 24 hours. Binance Coin down 1.2% in the last 24 hours. Got XRP and Cardano down 2%, Solana down 2%. Funnily enough, Avalanche is actually up 5%. Kelly, I want to fin- I'm, we're going to continue running through the, the market pulse here, but why do you think Avalanche is the one that's rallying right now when everything else is down? Well, Avalanche has got a, a they've they've been having a lot of headlines about a adoption going on with that within their community as well as a major sort of uptick in the TVL, the total value locked. And when you're looking at any sort of DeFi protocol or layer one solution, uh, one of the one of the key metrics you're going to want to look for in that is total value locked because that's essentially showing uh, not only uh, I don't want to say dedicated, but uh, very uh, high use case and the fact that the the value is locked within that chain is showing that people are really engaging with and using uh, the, not only the smart contracts, but the liquidity pro- uh, protocols and all the uh, various uh, things that are involved with the, with DeFi. Uh, and Avalanche is just making some really strong headway. They haven't, they haven't been plagued uh, with a bunch of like, ca- uh, you know, c- cascading sort of negative news stories or DDoS attacks, or uh, even like this last one that, that affected uh, Solana. Unfortunately, it had nothing to do with Solana, but it was yet again, another uh, negative story that, that happened to happen uh, to the wormhole bridge that they have with Ethereum, which technically had nothing to do with Solana as uh, their own uh, project, but it, that was just following a number of other things that have happened over the last several months. And Avalanche has been having very solid runtime. I, I actually haven't, I didn't look at any news this morning for Avalanche, so I'm not sure if there was another story or not, but uh, those are all the things that I've been seeing in the last uh, week or so, the last two or three weeks. Good deal. Well, guys, we're also looking at uh, Luna being down about 1%. Dogecoin down 2%, Polkadot down 2%. Overall, the market's down about 2%. Now, we do have a cryptocurrency called Rally that is rallying. That's pretty funny. But if we look at the biggest losers, we can see Zcash down 6%. Quite frankly, don't want to hate on the Zcash community, but considering Zcash, you know, is a very old and not exactly the most stable privacy coin. Um, You can actually see Charles Hoskinson talk about that in our interview. He mentioned Zcash and some of the issues that it ran into. Surprise, it's still in the top 100. But it is. That's one of the OG altcoins. Kadena down 6%. Kadena is always sitting up here in the biggest gainers or biggest losers. And what that tells me is that this is a very volatile project that's probably relatively new, and Kadena is. And it's also a project, as far as relatively new to these price levels, I should say. And at the same time, it's also a project that has a lot of volatility. That's a good thing for traders because the more volatility you have, the more money that you're able to make. Kelly knows that well. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about volatility? You've been a trader for a long time. You made a living trading. What does it mean when you see a lot of volatility in a project? Is that actually a good thing? Well, here's the funny thing about trading. Uh, People that are just... uh, uh, very new to 
speculative investing where that, you know, what I mean by that is buying and just looking for price only to go up. Well, the truth is that almost never happens unless you buy at the very, very, very bottom of a bull market as, as that bull market starting in reality, the lot of most people, not most people, all people that make money on, on any asset, whether it be crypto or traditional markets is, is the ability to have a wide variety of price change, price action, and price action is all due to volatility. You know, the difference, uh, how fast the price is moving or how much the price is moving away from its uh, median, from its mean, you know, wherever the average, different moving averages, if it's moving up quickly and then dropping quickly, that, that's where you get a lot of action to make money. So in, in reality, the people that are looking for the quick buck, they get very disheartened by having this volatility. But in reality, people that are uh, actually making a living trading, they love when the price is choppy, when the price has large movements, especially when they're consistent. Uh, if there's a trend and then you have a correction, whereas new money gets scared out of that smart money or people that are making a, a living on trading that volatility. They love those corrections because and this is something that we go over also in uh, our CT2A course. And uh, we're, we might be working on some other special content in the back end, but but uh, being able to follow those trends and then take your FIB extensions and FIB retracements and also looking at your practice pattern targets and the volatility is what gets you to the move to, to hit those targets and basically have the ability to make money on those right. moves. Mm -hmm. Cool beans. Well, I want to actually throw it back to you here in a second, Kelly, but first we're going to go ahead and look at the market dominance <clears throat> of Bitcoin. If we take a look here over on CoinMarketCap, if you've never been here, all you got to do is go to CoinMarketCap, come up here to the top, hit the dominance charts. Right now, Bitcoin's at 42.2%, Ethereum at 18.7%. You can scroll down here to the third one, and you will see the dominance, the total market dominance of uh, total market capitalization and Bitcoin dominance of the last you know 10 years of price action for these cryptocurrencies. If you look here at this top line, this is Bitcoin's market dominance. Now, if you don't know what market dominance is, it's just a ratio of how much market capitalization one currency has compared to all cryptocurrencies. So if the total cryptocurrency market is $2 trillion, Bitcoin's worth $1 trillion, then Bitcoin has 50% market dominance. That is called market share normally in the stock market. So it's a little bit different in the cryptocurrency space. It's normally called market dominance. Now, I want to show you a couple of trends that are happening recently. Take a look at the last couple of weeks here on Bitcoin. We have seen Bitcoin's market dominance rally from 39.3% all the way up to 42.5%. You might look at that and say, okay, well, that's just a small fluctuation. That's not that big a deal, but it's actually a very major deal. Whenever you see market dominance move that much, you're talking about tens of billions of dollars flowing into Bitcoin that are not flowing into the altcoins. And sometimes you're actually seeing money flow out of the altcoins into Bitcoin. So what does that mean? Well, I've talked about this for the last four years. Whenever market dominance moves, it is, it's trying to tell you something. So I want to show you this trend right here. Take a look at this point in history. This is January, February, March, April the 7th of, Bitcoin, of, two, of 2019 on Bitcoin. Bitcoin was sitting at 50.43% market dominance. Within you know three, four months, it would rally to 70% market dominance. Let's go over here and look at the chart. April the 7th is what we're looking for. So April the 7th, this is April the 8th. That's pretty close. In that time, the next several months, we saw Bitcoin rally 100 55%. In fact, it rallied much faster than the rest of the cryptocurrency markets. It started leaving behind the likes of Ethereum and the altcoins. The reason that that's so important <clears throat> is because whenever Bitcoin is exiting a major downtrend, it normally will go into a major uptrend and leave the altcoins behind. So what we've seen happen more recently is that Bitcoin has begun a shorter term uptrend on its price action. And we can see that some of the altcoins are getting left behind a little bit. We've looked at other projects like Ethereum that are not performing quite as well as Bitcoin. They're not quite keeping up. And that goes to show in the market dominance charts where Bitcoin is starting to run away with the market dominance. But what does that mean? Well, basically all it means 
is that Bitcoin right now is the most safe asset in the cryptocurrency space and people want to invest in it. And if they're risk off, if their position is risk off and they're trying not to take a bunch of risk on a Dogecoin or a, you know, a smaller altcoin that actually has some value, <laughs> shots fired, sorry about that Dogecoin community, then what they're going to do is they're going to go and invest in the big caps like Bitcoin and Ethereum, mainly Bitcoin. So what we're seeing right now is that there is a resurgence in interest in the crypto space, but it's still new. It's still nascent. We're not seeing an altcoin cycle right now. Instead, we're seeing Bitcoin Bitcoin going to a rally. If you watched the video I uploaded about a week ago called the altcoin engine, then you'll know that I talk about how in a healthy bull market, you'll see Bitcoin will go into a rally and the altcoins will kind of chill out a little bit. Then Bitcoin will get boring and the altcoins will rally a little bit. And then Bitcoin will get boring, uh, will get, will start to rally and the altcoins will calm down a little bit. It's like a little two piston engine goes back and forth and back and forth. And they pass the baton back and forth. It's like a relay race. You see Bitcoin passing it to the altcoins and back and forth. Right now, the baton is in the hands of Bitcoin and it's going to stay that way for the next couple of weeks. But once Bitcoin rallies up to $52,000 or so. If it does that, which I think it will, then it might calm down a little bit. And then from there, you may start to see people taking profits from Bitcoin, putting them into Ethereum and Cardano and Solana and XRP and AVAX and Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash and all these other cryptocurrencies. Then you'll see the altcoins start to come up. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now. But Kelly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this whole idea of the altcoin engine. And I'd also love to see what some of these major headlines are around the block, because these are some pretty big stories that we're looking at right now. Uh, you you couldn't be more right about the, the basically the cyclical flow of money. And it's very similar to what you just asked about volatility. Uh, when you have uh, a highly volatile market, uh, at some point, the markets are cyclical, right? So even within volatility, that volatility at some point is going to constrict. And it's very, and it will go over it in a bit when we're into TA, but it's very obvious, even if you just take a, a look at uh, Bollinger Bands, and you'll see the how far the, the upper and lower bands expand uh, for a period of time and then go back to contraction and then go back to expansion. And the same thing is true when you talk about uh, the money flow within the the uh, economy or the, you know the crypto economy all, between all the different uh, projects within you know Bitcoin uh, major altcoins micro altcoins and it does tend to essentially roll downhill people tend to uh, make a lot of profits in whatever whatever project is uh, uh, more dominant at that time or projects or niche of projects and then once those pop off uh, like where there's a lot of profits to be made people like to harvest those profits and then make those profits uh, you know, turn into more profits essentially. So then they'll they'll matriculate that into another uh, project or another uh, portion of the ecosystem and make money there. And that's why Bitcoin will run, and then the altcoins will run, and then it'll, it goes back and forth that direction. But in terms of the uh, in terms of the headlines, let me pull up my screen here. Uh, here we go. Uh, so let me know, make sure you can see that. Uh, so we're just going to go over here real quick. I'm going to go over, I'm just going to go rapid fire some, uh, some of the new stories, and then we'll, we'll go into a little bit of discussion about everything going on. So when I saw this, I thought this was excellent. And this, this actually, uh, is one of the, this headline right here kind of drives the point home for people that don't believe uh, in NFTs. Well, NFTs, regardless of your thought or consideration of them, uh, whether it be deep knowledge or ignorance, uh, NFTs are an incredible pathway to get into crypto because NFTs are uh, essentially avatars of art that are on top of a smart contract. And it, by means of being on a blockchain, it is another entry road into uh, the crypto space because in order to buy and sell and trade them or hold them, you have to be involved in the crypto ecosystem by having wallets, by having the understanding of how to buy Ethereum or, or a Polygon or Cardano or Solana, any of these projects uh, that are that, you know, that hold uh, NFTs. And so New York Stock Exchange filed for trademark, filed a uh, trademark application 
to trade in NFTs, which this is this in itself, regardless of what the story says, the fact that the New York Stock Exchange and the mainstream uh, traditional market is now actively involved on this grand scale in your face, obvious out in the open, transparent. This is this signals a lot of uh, a lot of positive sort of sh- shift in sentiment of the mainstream traditional markets in regards to crypto and NFTs. Uh, the next one I want to go over here. Uh, this is this just kind of makes me laugh because when we're talking about uh, one of the the biggest uh, opponents of uh, Bitcoin for a long uh, time, and uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, you know, CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, now JP, they've slowly been uh, slowly not trying to have egg on their face and slowly starting to make their headway and wage into the waters of crypto. And it's just interesting when I read this article this morning, JP Morgan becomes the first major bank in the metaverse. So they actually yeah. opened a bank in the middle of what the central land, which is a really interesting. I actually want to look more into this and see what it is they're really trying to do with it within that, what they're trying to transact, or if it's just more of a mission statement uh, for headlines. Cause a lot of these things are, you know, headline, headline drawing sort of things. Just like when we talked about AMC getting involved with cryptocurrency, uh, was it really the fact that, uh, uh, it was a benefit to crypto or was it more of a benefit to AMC movie theaters because they got the headline and the news coverage for now being involved in crypto. Right. So the, uh, the next two I'm going to run run into before we really get into our major headline uh, YouTube, which of course, everybody here watching, thank you so much. Please hit that like, please hit that subscribe. You're keeping us on the air. YouTube, our, our home here with crypto Jeb, uh, they're finally seeking a web three director with experience in trading crypto. Uh, and this, this article essentially is talking about uh, their, they see the uh, potential uh, growth opportunities and the things that they can provide uh, various YouTube channels like ours and all the other ones. Uh, and the, basically the, the channel and fan engagement uh, in different ways they can drive engagement and uh, you know, whether it be loyalty programs or just a fun giveaway, whatever. There's so many different things they want to be involved with uh, in regards to Web3. And that's what Web3 is all about. It's taking it from just being traditional HTML pages, uh, traditional uh, loosely interactive websites with payment uh, portals and video content to Web3 being uh, actually being tied in with the crypto ecosystem, being able to you know interact uh, on a, a much deeper level and a, a, a much broader level uh, with blockchain technology. Uh, the, the next two uh, articles I'm going to go over is uh, this one right here this is this 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 article uh is is in regards to uh, uh the congress congressman warren davidson introducing an act called keep your coins and this is i don't want to say it's directly tied to but it's definitely influenced by everything going on in canada right now with the with the freedom uh is it called the freedom convoy or the freedom blockade convoy, whatever, I think, whatever uh, yeah and all this stuff going on with canada trying to you know they're starting to limit uh not only uh, uh gofundme campaigns and crowdfunding but also now they as we mentioned yesterday yesterday and yesterday's news stories uh, that they're actually uh, saying anybody that's involved in a protest of any kind uh, can have their bank seized. They can have their car insurance canceled. They can, uh, the, the cryptocurrencies are now, st- I just saw an article this morning, uh, somebody's a couple uh, crypto Bitcoin transactions <laughs> were completely blocked, which I'm actually confused as to how, how they did that, but we'll have to look into that. Heck? And then the biggest story of them all. And although this is a, a soft softly big story. If you really look into it, this is a big story. Warren Buffett. Now, for anybody that doesn't know who Warren Buffett is, before, and I was talking with, uh, I think, Smay about this this morning, uh, before the last, I'd say, 15, 20 years, and actually even some, somewhat of the time into that, the richest man in the world for over a decade or like maybe, I don't know how long, but he's he's been in the top uh 
five or more uh, richest men in the world for probably going on 20 plus years. And he did this through traditional investing, very scrupulous, uh, conservative trading. uh, And he has been one of the biggest opponents of Bitcoin and and cryptocurrency since since it's come out uh, saying I'm not sure if he's I'm not going to I'm not going to misquote him. But the the point being here, this headline is showing. What's that? He, he called, called it, it rat, rat poison. poison. Yeah, that that that's what I wanted to quote. I wasn't sure yeah. if it was him or Peter Schiff, but yeah, he called uh, uh, investing in crypto and Bitcoin akin to uh, eating rat poison. So yeah. uh, Warren Buffett has invested a billion dollars into uh, basically a fintech band called a, a, a brand slash bank called NeoBank. Uh, and this bank, while it's not directly an investment in Bitcoin, this is a fintech bank, uh, basically financial technology bank. They, they're they're very forward facing to crypto. They actually even offer uh, crypto and uh, Bitcoin trading. Uh, so in, in in part with this, he's also dumped Visa and MasterCard stocks. And what's interesting That's about so this funny. is I feel like this is a soft way of him slowly making that change so it doesn't look like yeah. he has a huge egg on his face. Wait. Because rather than going completely <laughs> against everything he said, no, okay, he's not necessarily into Bitcoin, but okay, he just invested a billion dollars into a Bitcoin bank. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Jeb, and yeah. uh, especially what Smay's thoughts and what what, and what 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 do you all think about all these headlines? This, well, is, I, this is a start in that tailwind, right? Yeah, Am well, I, I mean, he said that Bitcoin is rat poison squared and that you were delusional for investing in cryptocurrency, and now he's dumping Visa and MasterCard because he knows that they're going to really have a lot of competition when Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency start taking off. The funny thing about Warren Buffett is that, and this is something I actually deeply respect about the man, just because I disagree with his stance on cryptocurrencies doesn't mean I don't respect his abilities. He would he didn't he, he was not born a super rich person. He built this. I'm you know more power to him for building his 80 billion dollar plus portfolio. You can disagree with his politics or his stance or whatever, but he did do that. More respect to him for that. He didn't invest in tech stocks. He built his portfolio on principles, and that's something that I think we can all learn from. We build our portfolio on principles, not on price. We build it on principles. We built it on purpose. We built it on people. We build it on those things, not on price. Warren Buffett invested in the rails, and he invested in industry. He didn't invest in tech stocks. In fact, he was he basically missed out on a lot of the internet bubble. He missed out on a lot of the internet stocks. He missed out on the fang stocks. He didn't get into any of that, which goes to show you that you can make a lot of money without being involved in the, the next hottest commodity. It shows you that the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass truly is greener where you water it. And he watered it. He built Berkshire Hathaway and built that into a quarter trillion dollar asset under management real estate empire. You know, I have a lot of respect for Warren Buffett, although I do disagree with his stance on cryptocurrency, but it looks like he might be starting to disagree with his own stance on cryptocurrency because he might realize, wait a second, I missed out on the internet. I ain't doing that again because Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is the future. So Tim, I want to ask you your take on Warren Buffett. And do you think that this is really a turnaround? And then I also want to take it a little bit back to the whole, uh, you know, um, future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and governance. Do you think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is really going to help us as these governments start to crack down more and more on our different civil liberties? Well, the first one, let's start with Warren Buffett. Uh, If it is true that he has changed his tune, hats off to Warren Buffett. We should never be upset when someone who used to be a naysayer changes their mind. We should welcome them with open arms. Before we do that, though, he did not invest in Bitcoin. He invested in a bank that is Bitcoin friendly. 
So let's see this develop. I would be really interested to hear the next time Warren Buffett publicly speaks about Bitcoin, what his tune sounds like. But I, I, I just want to caution people because people read headlines and they get really excited about things before they find out details. Let's make sure that Warren Buffett didn't invest in this bank for some other reason. Uh, there's sure. not necessarily a case that says he loves Bitcoin now. It looks like it's going that way, but that's not what happens. So that's my that's the first thing about Warren Buffett. As far as the government. This is what we have been talking about for a while, and here's what I will say actually is the great news. Everything we've seen happen, despite the fact that we haven't seen the price of Bitcoin go up here in the last month or two, uh, what we have seen is adoption, and we've seen interest grow like crazy. And I think the price can take dips. It's going to happen. You know, the, if we think that there will never be another dip again in Bitcoin, it's just nothing but up into the right. That's not how it's going to work. But I do think it's getting out of hand where governments could actually have full control because what they're going to actually start doing is causing people to go against the laws. Like they might they might come and put crazy regulation, but crypto is a hard one to regulate. Here's the. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, I, I think that I think that crypto and specifically Bitcoin is rearing up to become more powerful than what governments could control. And that's why you see things like Russia in a matter of like literally two weeks go from saying we don't want anything to do with crypto to maybe we'll discuss allowing some mining to now saying, you know what, we'll, we'll we might currency. actually let it be used as currency. So here's the deal. Here's what you guys need to understand. There is a very major existential threat to modern democracy going on right now. And this is something Charles talked about in our interview. I keep referencing this interview because it was so great. If you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch it. He also talked about it on his interview over on Dan's channel, Crypto Capital Venture. There is a very dangerous thing. Whenever a free nation, both sides of the aisles, both sides of the aisle do not trust their systems and they don't believe that their voice is being heard. Because when people have a grievance against the government, you better believe that their voice will be heard. And that's unfortunate when you start shutting down their ability to be heard. By the way, what I'm saying is bipartisan. I'm talking about left and right. I'm not making a political statement in this. I'm just saying both sides in America, in Canada, in the Eurozone, all of them, both sides feel like they're not being heard. Both yeah. sides feel like that they're not being able to have their voices expressed. Both sides feel that they're not able to be listened to. Both sides feel that way. That is incredibly dangerous. And the reason that that is happening is because trust in our systems has broken down. And this kind of stuff that's going on, we're protesting on either side. I'm not making a political statement at all about what's going on in Canada, what's going on anywhere in the last three, five years. What I am saying, both sides feel like they're being silenced. Cryptocurrency, in my eyes, is the only way that you can fix that because it's the only way, as Charles talked about, to bring inclusive accountability to, into our systems. Nobody trusts the voting system anymore. On both sides, nobody trusts the ability to freely assemble anymore. On both sides, nobody trusts the ability to speak freely anymore. On both sides, this is a bipartisan issue, and as I said, it is an existential threat to modern democracy. You compound that on top of the fact that the U.S. dollar is losing its hegemony, it is losing its world reserve currency status, and if that occurs, the United States loses its ability to be a global superpower because they lose control over the monetary system that runs the whole world. So there's a lot of instability coming in the next 10 years. That doesn't mean that we should walk with a heart of fear, though. That doesn't mean that we should walk with anxiety. We should walk with peace, knowing that we have a way out of that. One is Jesus, and two, here in the world, we have cryptocurrency that can help us with the actual material problems of this world. So I want you guys not walking in fear. I'm not trying to spread FUD. I'm not trying to fear monger, but it is very important that you understand that there are a lot of problems with the way our world is running right now. Crypto currency in my eyes provides basically the only solution. Kelly, what were you going to say really quickly? And then I want to get Smay's take on this before we jump into TA. 
I just wanted to say that and I actually saw a comment in in, uh, in chat that essentially said that uh, who cares uh, essentially what this older person uh, is doing. You know, they're not going to be around longer like anyway. Blah, blah, blah. But here, here's the, here's why it's important. <laughs> people like dollars. Warren Buffett are a major signal to the industry. And so when you have people like uh, at this level and also it's true, Charles Hoskinson said it as well about people that are, uh, you know, coming up towards the last uh, term, last, uh, you know, few decades decade or so of their life, making our laws that, you know, uh, for future of technology. But that's why it's important when you have people in their same peer group, like Warren Buffett, start to even get mm. uh, Bitcoin exposure through, you know, like even if people are investing in GBTC, you know, uh, Grayscale or anything, any of these stocks that are Bitcoin facing, but they're not actually getting involved in Bitcoin by nature of starting to have those dominoes fall and having to, the sentiment start to shift amongst that peer group also changes the way the laws and the regulations are going to make uh, going to be made. So therefore, it will make an easier path for the the younger people when the when the adoption really starts to take off. So it is important of these uh, all different age groups, regardless of where we're at in society, regardless of what your uh, you know uh, predilections are on uh, politics or or age or any of these things. It's all relevant because they're all tied together and how regulations are made and then how how the adoption is carried out in the long run. That I think that's why this is such a big story. Absolutely. So we're going to jump into some Bitcoin technical analysis here in a second. But first, I want to throw it to Smay. Smay, what is your opinion on the way that the governments are moving right now? And do you think that cryptocurrency provides the answer to some of our biggest threats? <clears throat> yes. And uh, I think the uh, the question that you just asked, what are governments doing? Governments are still trying to scramble to find a way that they're going to be able to maintain control. Uh, and whatever that means is whether that whether they go after stable coins to make it more difficult to trade uh, and, and uh, avoid taxes and stuff like that. They're going to start there and then they're going to go to find ways to adopt it in a way that they can, you know, potentially try to control it or maybe even introduce their own CBDCs and say, well, look, this is crypto, too. So, you know, come and and use our crypto. You know, I think there's all these different routes they're going to try to take before they realize and they throw their hands in the air and they say, well, actually, we can't really do much about this. Uh, it's kind of an unmovable train at this point. Uh, and I think that's kind of the idea of of when we as a people make a decision, we don't have to just necessarily wait and sit for our government to do it for us. We can yeah. as a as a we community start. And I love what Charles said. And he was saying it in terms of like when you're starting a, 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 a something like a project like Cardano, he's saying you start small. You build the blockchain for a county clerk in Texas to be able to make marriage certificates on the blockchain, and then you move up to uh, you know a city, and then you move up to a government, and and, and you go by layer like an onion and I think ultimately it's like hey we don't need to wait for the government to tell us that we can use crypto we can start using crypto in our communities we can start if you're a small business start accepting Bitcoin stuff like that and you start to do that and then next thing you know you know half the economy is running on Bitcoin already and then they're kind of like oh well we kind of got to do something about this so yeah well that's the beautiful thing about cryptocurrency we built it and we didn't ask anybody's permission and now the government's trying to come in and say oh wait, wait a second wait a second you didn't ask us if we could do that and you're like you're dang right we didn't we got a quarter billion people using it now because it solves a problem that was your responsibility to fix and that you squandered away because you would rather inflate the crap out of the U.S. dollar to fund your political bills so that you can get reelected. That's why Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was created, to put the financial sovereignty back in our hands rather than in the hands of people that don't have our best interest at heart.
With that said, we're going to go ahead and jump into some Bitcoin technical analysis here. If you guys are enjoying today's show, smash that like button. It's all upbeat here. We're not trying to say the world's going to end or anything. We'll always get through it. Bitcoin is here to stay, and it is going to be one of the tools that we use to really fight some of these things going on in the world. Let's go ahead and take a look at BTC. As you guys know... Over the last uh, couple of days, we have finally confirmed that there is an inverse head and shoulders pattern in play. We can see that the left shoulder happened over here in early January. The head happened here in late January. Right shoulder happened here in February. This inverse head and shoulders pattern has a price target, if you will remember to yesterday's show, sitting up close to $65,000, about $64,000. That's the $64,000 question. Is that where we are going? I think so. If we take a look at some of our confirmations that we've looked at, if you'll remember to about two, three weeks ago, I talked about these confirmations. I said, I want to see Bitcoin have a confirmed buy signal for 7 to 10 days. Well, guess what? We have now seen that confirmed for 12 days. I said, I want to see Bitcoin above $42,000, and I want to see it stay above there for 7 to 10 days. It's now been there for 10 days. I said on the three-daily chart, I want to see a bullish MACD cross and for that to confirm for 7 to 10 days. We have now seen that for seven, for 12 days. I also said I want to be above the 14 interval moving average on the three daily chart for RSI for 7 to 10 days. It's now been 15 days. All of those confirmations have come in. There's one thing that has not yet happened though. I used the word confidently when I made that prediction and when I said I want to see those four things flash. I said I want to see a confident breakout above $42,000 and confidently be rallying after we see MACD and RSI cross the way that I want them to and confidently rallying. I do think that Bitcoin has some confidence here, but I am a little bit concerned, quite frankly, when I see Bitcoin setting a lower high compared to what we set back on the 10th of February. I don't know if that fully fulfills what I was talking about when I said confident. So, Tim, I want to ask you this question, and then we're going to look at some more technical in indicators. One, do you think I was right to make that assertion that if we see those four technical indicators flash with seven to 10 days of confirmation and they do it confidently that we would be going into an uptrend. And two, do you think that we are actually confidently moving to the upside or do we still need to prove ourselves some more before we can start saying that we're going to 52 and beyond? There, there's a lot of dynamics going on in Bitcoin right now. And I would say, let, let's assume, let's just assume for a second that you end up being wrong, Jeb. Let's, let's just say it did all those things and ends up going down. I, I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, but Jeb said the truth is it, it's a good it's a good reading of what we're seeing on the charts. It's a good reading because we're in a season of who knows. The news really is not helping anything. One minute it's extremely bullish. The next minute it's extremely bearish. That's why you got to focus on facts. You got to not get too excited. You got to trust the charts until something does come in and say it's screaming. And here's the thing right now, even the charts are a little bit of a. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. There's there are signs saying bullish. There are signs saying bearish. I'm just going to be forward and tell you guys I'm in the camp of saying I I, I think that what has happened on the charts canceled out my prediction that we needed to go back down to about 33. I think this is going to be a rare time, and we're going to remember this as we go into history, as a rare time we did not see a daily bullish RSI divergence. That's okay. Something changed. It, it's all right. Technical analysis isn't perfect. It was never meant to be perfect. It's still going to be a great call. But as we move forward, let's just look at the smaller time frames, like the four hourly and the hourly chart. The reason why I'm not convinced that we're not going down is because I think that this bottom that we had here around four, let's see, we came down and retested uh, what 41.5. I don't think that that was really the full bottom that we should have got. I think that it's going to be a little bit closer to the 39 to 40 thousand dollar region. And if you look at it, I, I said this morning. I tweeted out. Someone said, "Tim, what are your thoughts on the market?" I said, "People aren't going to like what I'm going to say because I, I yeah. this was before this this little bit of a dip we've seen this morning." I said, I, I, "What I'm seeing on the charts, I didn't see a strong bullish RSI divergence. I didn't see strong reasons on the on the Bollinger bands. I, what I do see on TD sequential is we had a red nine flash, which means we should reverse." to the downside. Uh, what I'm seeing on the charts, it is it is potentially possible that we did 
that is the bottom of the head and shoulder, the inverse head and shoulders. But look over here at the left shoulder. We have a head and it went up, but then it came down again. Are we gonna see something similar happen to where that actually was not the head or the shoulder that we want? It's actually gonna come down one more time, maybe a little lower. Like I said, closer to a $40,000 level, maybe even 39.8. And then that's going to be that right shoulder that sends us up. What I do think, and, and I'll finish with this, I do think we are going to play out inverse head and shoulders. I do think in the yeah. next couple of months, we will hit that price of 65. I think we'll go a little higher. The difference, though, is that people want that to happen by the end of this week, and that's just not going to happen. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And the thing that I'm really concerned about here, guys, is just the fact of how this market has played out in literally the last, like, 12 hours. Because, you know, normally when you're looking at the longer-term time frames, you don't want to focus too much on what's happened in the last 12 hours. But the fact is, what's happened in the last 12 hours is very important because we're at a crucial decision point, guys. We have finished printing the inverse head and shoulders pattern. Here's our right shoulder. Boom. We need to be rallying back up to the neckline here at $46,000. There was a bull flag that painted earlier today over the last 48 hours that bull flag should have given us a price target of forty six and a half thousand dollars which would have led to us breaking the neckline confidently and then going into a rally unfortunately we have just broken bearish out of this that is exactly not what you want to see happen that's like you're about to go into a race and then your ankle starts cramping up like that's really bad timing you know we need mm -hmm. to see this working correctly we don't need to be trying to like bench and then oh my gosh i have this pain in my pec like i'm not gonna do that that's what we're seeing right now guys bitcoin is supposed to be looking very bullish right now. We're supposed to be seeing Bitcoin confidently approaching $46,000. We're supposed to be seeing a lot of FOMO. We're supposed to be seeing big rallies. We're supposed to be seeing big green candlesticks. That's what we should be seeing right now, and we're not. So that's why I caution you about getting too excited because we have this inverse head and shoulders pattern. I agree with Tim. I think in the next three to six months, you will see a $65,000 Bitcoin. But depending on how the next two days go is going to tell you a lot. If we get to Friday and Bitcoin's sitting down at $41,000, $42,000, then I would say that the breakout above $46,000 gets delayed a couple, if not a few weeks, to be honest with you, because right now, Bitcoin is in the most bullish setup, the best position that it could possibly have to start rallying back up to $52,000. I mean, look at all these news stories, guys. JP Morgan founding a bank in the metaverse, New York Stock Exchange getting into NFTs, YouTube jumping into Web3, US congressperson using a really funnily named KYC bill, keep your coins, otherwise know keep your uh, know your customer warren buffett potentially getting into cryptocurrency the news landscape could not be any better right now but the problem is it also couldn't be any more uncertain we don't know what it's going to look like from day to day and the retail and the institution in the tr in the traditional markets realize that and they're scared so they want to invest in bitcoin but they also want to see a little bit more confidence so that's my concern right now with bitcoin is that until we see some more confidence the technical indicators can say what they want, but the market sentiment oftentimes will override the technical indicators. The technical indicators from seven to 10 days ago was a great way of predicting that Bitcoin is going to break out. I fully stand behind those four indicators, but I also added that word confidently in there for a reason, because I have yeah. seen Bitcoin follow through on all of its technical factors. And if you blindly follow the technical analysis and you forget the limitations of technical analysis, then you will fail because you have to understand the limitations of technical analysis so that you can fully utilize technical analysis. For example, Tim, what is your what are you benching right now? Well, at the moment with a torn rotator cuff, not a lot. Okay. But without with before the torn uh, torn rotator cuff, uh, one rep, five reps, one rep, one probably rep about three eighty five. Okay, so you're repping three eighty five at seventy five percent. You'd be working around three fifteen, right? Maybe yeah. maybe two ninety five. Yeah. You're doing that. What would happen if you tried to rep uh, four hundred five? Well, first of all, I would fail. But if I tried to push through it, I would definitely tear. Exactly. Yeah. So if you don't. 
understand the limitations of technical analysis. His one rep max was 385. If you don't understand your limitations yeah. and you try to push beyond that, you will get very hurt. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be bench pressing. It's very good for you. It's very good for your muscles, very good for your body, very good for your heart. But if you try and push beyond what your limitations are, you're going to get hurt by trying to do something that should be preventing you from getting hurt. Technical analysis is a very powerful tool, but if you don't understand your limitations, it will backfire on you. So one of the limitations of technical analysis is that you have to understand sentiment overrides the technical analysis from time to time. And right now, the sentiment just is not where the technical indicators say that the market wants to be. So that's what we have to understand. The technical indicators are saying, yes, let's go to the upside. Boom. Awesome. The retail is saying, ah, I need a little bit more confirmation. And we have to follow their lead because the retail and the institutions in the traditional space are really going to be the ones that are going to pour the hundreds of billions of dollars into this market that's going to allow us to rally. So man, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What, have, what are some of the limitations of technical analysis that you have witnessed over the last year of working on this stream with us? Um, well, it's very, it's a very finicky thing, guys. Like it, it helps you get an idea, right? And it's part of the picture and that's the way it needs to be used. It needs to be used as if you want to be a good trader, you're not just purely going off of a chart. Cause if you're just purely going off of a chart, then something, you know, some news story comes out, dumps the price and, but the pattern didn't play out. You're screwed. But there's going to be times where there's not really any news stories going on and most people are trading based off of the technical analysis and that's when you can really trust the chart, right? So it's like there's there's the kind of uh, – you have to constantly be flowing. You have to understand. You have to have a good understanding of the limitations like you just said of that it's not going to be 100% but it's better than not having it at all, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to give you a better idea. It, it's kind of like having a compass, you know. It, it, it's, it's pointing you in the right direction and, and it's going to help you most of the time – as long as you have a full picture to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if I was necessarily the right person to ask about technical analysis. I don't do a ton of technical analysis. I know, analysis, I just want your opinion. But from what I've been able to observe, like, more often than not, right, it really helps inform predictions very well as long as you're fully informed, right? Yep. Like I've seen, uh, you know, usually you can, predict a, 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 you can predict a trend or so on uh, by – figuring out what's happening in the news, the sentiment and all that, but you're never going to get close to it, even close to a price target. But what Jeb and Tim are able to do by finding uh, levels of resistance and levels of support and all these different, these different metrics and, and patterns, you, it's much easier to find a, an actual range where you're probably going to hit versus uh, just kind of saying, oh, we're going up or we're going down. So, so what I would say is that if you live in Florida, all of us obviously live in Florida. Well, Kelly lives in New York, but he's in Florida right now. When you live in Florida, it is uh, between the months of about April and November. You're always watching the Weather Channel just to see if a hurricane's coming because one comes almost every single year. Um, and what you do is you look at the spaghetti models. You say, okay, well, it could go here. It could go over Tallahassee. It could go over Gainesville. It could go over Jacksonville. Maybe it'll help Miami. Maybe it'll go across um, Alligator Alley and it'll go up towards Louisiana. You look at these different spaghetti models and you look at them and you realize, okay, wait a second. These are not perfect. We can't predict the future. We don't know exactly what this hurricane is going to do, but you find me a Floridian who doesn't look at those things. Like Tim, you remember, you've lived in Florida and watched that longer than I have. How many times when a hurricane is coming through, do, do people look at the spaghetti models? I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I, Every single time, right? I, don't you yeah. look at them? Yes. Don't, okay, thank you. That was a that was that's the answer I was looking for. Is yes, everybody looks at the spaghetti models. Tim you know why doesn't they do look that? at the spaghetti I, I, models. I, I, but I'm not a good indication of what Tim the rest of Florida does. That's true. Yeah, so that's uh, true. Tim, Tim would much made, rather be in the mountains. As I found out this weekend, I was made to be a mountain man. He was made to be a mountain state. man. He looks like one, so it would definitely yeah. work. You got those big muscles to go and like move around logs and stuff. You yeah. know, be a chainsaw, a lumberjack. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, every Floridian looks at those, even though they understand there's uncertainty in them. You don't not look at the models because you know there's uncertainty in them. You look at them and you use them and you understand that there's limitations to them. So here's my point.
Where is Bitcoin going? And this is what I want to get Tim's take on because I know he's been gone for a while. What I think right now is that Bitcoin was very bullish. And I do think that we were going to go up to $46,000. The fact that we've broken bearish out of this bull flag here in the last couple of hours puts a lot of questions in my mind. I think what we're going to see happen is that Bitcoin is going to attempt to bounce off of this support level right here sitting around $43,000. That's constitu constituted by a ton of different levels of support and resistance that we have set over the last you know, 10 days or so. I think Bitcoin may come down and test $43,000 and attempt to bounce. But Tam, I would love to hear your thoughts, especially since you have a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. I doubt you've been looking at the market as closely in the last week as you are right now. What do you think the next three days are going to look like on Bitcoin? And are we still going to break 46K relatively soon? Well, I, we, we talked about this. We talked about this back in early February, late January, how I said that what we found out about the reason we went down to the lower 30s was in light of what was going to come with the Fed news. What nobody knew was the Fed going to be super hawkish, was it going to be super dovish. We talked about all that. Uh, we predicted back then what we were going to bounce back into the 40s and everyone's get super excited, but then we're going to bounce around in those 40s for a while and potentially come down and touch like a 39, you know, 39 seven, three on eight level. And I think that's exactly what's happening. I, I think that uh, when you go back to the news that we have seen, where did the whales start buying? 46 and 42. We're hovering in that region again. And what happens is, is that that's probably a good region right now to be in a buying zone and sometimes we get a little bit above it and sometimes we're gonna get a little bit below it. But I just would not be surprised if we actually move sideways and boring. And, and I, I, I see the level you're saying bounce off of 43. I'm going to hold to, I predicted this when, when we peaked out and set up bearish RSI divergence back here on the 10th of February. Uh, I, I said we're going down probably at least to 41, if not down to 39.7, and I'm going to hold to it. This little, this little rally that came here in the middle, it's not, it, it, I didn't think that that was going to happen, but when I look back at the other shoulder, the left shoulder, the inverse head and shoulders, we, we kind of had two little humps there too. So like, why not have it here as well? Yeah. I, I, and I, again, people don't like this because people want the price to do nothing but go up and to the right, but corrections to the proper levels are healthy parts of rallies. I think there would be nothing more bullish for Bitcoin than to come down and touch 39.7, get a lot of people to buy because that's a great spot to buy when people are evaluating Bitcoins probably in the region of 42 to 46. And it's gonna start a spike that's gonna then allow us to actually liquidate some shorts to get us back over that 52, yep. then start heading back to 60 and eventually hit that $65,000 level that this inverse head and shoulder is predicting. And then, you know, before we start talking about 100,000 again, let's let's conquer 75. Yeah. Let's look at 75, let's get over that hump, and then start talking about 100 after that. Absolutely. So guys, make sure you smash that like button if you are enjoying today's show. Let's see if we can't get to 1,000 likes here in the next couple of minutes. And make sure you tell us in chat, where do you think Bitcoin is going? I think as Tim talked about, we're going to see a slightly boring couple of days here. As Bitcoin failed to get to $46,000 this morning, I don't think that it's necessarily just gonna boom rally in the next two hours unless some kind of news story or some major liquidation comes about, but we can't predict that that's that's going to happen based on what we know right now. I think we're going to have a boring two to three days, but what's not boring are all of the super chats that we're about to read. So guys, let's go ahead and do that. Before we do, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by our very own Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy. If you guys don't know, that's the academy that we've been running for over four years, almost four years, where we teach you guys everything that we know about technical analysis so that you can go and better yourself in this skill set so that you can achieve financial sovereignty in cryptocurrency. If you want to be able to make money trading and investing in crypto, then you got to understand the 
tools of the trade. You can't be a carpenter without a hammer. You can't be a neurosurgeon without your tools. You can't be a mechanic without your tools. You have to have your tools for your trade. Technical analysis is the tool of the trade for traders and investors. And I firmly believe that we have the best academy that teaches technical analysis in the entire industry. It's called CT2A, and you can find the link in the description box down below. Hey, before right. we jump into super chats, can I can I share one thing that I that I've been uh, diving into? It, this will be super quick. I, I've been watching this on on Glassnode, uh, and it's this interesting metric that I saw that I wanted to share, and that is uh, I can't see. There it is. Okay, so this is a dormancy flow, major dormancy flow reversals, and you see I put a, a green circle basically every time there was a major reversal in a, a price trend as well. But the main thing I'm looking at here is when we're down here in this green zone, every time we dip into it, we tend to get a very sharp correction up. And dormancy dormancy flow is essentially when you're talking about uh, the movement of coins, and especially when you have a lot of. And if you think about Bitcoin, the large majority because we have illiquid supply right now, the large majority of coins are getting older and older because people people really that are holding really aren't selling them. Yep. Uh, and so the fact that when we dip down right here, you see at the same exact spot, this did go sideways for a while, but then it led to a large uptrend. This right here, this was, I think, the March 2020 uh, V-shape correction. And then right here at this point, shot up right here at this point shot up and we're dipping actually deeper than we've dipped all the way since uh, I think this is like November, 2018. Uh, and we're starting to get that sharp correction up, uh, which I think is uh, interesting because when we're looking at, uh, when we look, when we compare that to the chart, uh, we've got these three descending triangles that each time we broke out, this one was only exception. It didn't have a, a small uh, little uh, retest coming out of it, but it, uh, these all met their targets right at the top of their, their, their wedges right here. And this, this of course would be the target, but I want to, I want to make, I want to make a point about something you said about uh, targets. Uh, you and Smay both said about targets, fundamental analysis, and uh, basically reading context into not only your trading and, and uh, target selection, but also how you, how you really do that uh, to make sure you're not going to one lose out on profits or two end up uh, waiting too long, holding a trade too long because you're waiting for the target and then it reverses. So in this case, of course, the target would be all the way up here at the top, but you see where we're at right here. We still have have this huge gate right here. We still have this huge resistance, this resistance here, all these, all these stopping points in between here. So even though the target is up here, there's going to be a lot of people and also a lot of potential that the market could reverse at any point. Because not only that, you look at this, you do the fib, uh, fib retracement, the golden pocket is, look at this, it's right on this uh, resistance bar right here. So we're still not even out of the woods until we break through this. So although we'll be going for this target, you would still need to, if you were trading, not doing long-term investing, you would still want to make sure that you have take profits along the way so you don't end up losing all profit potential because the market goes opposite direction. Absolutely. So I just wanted to say that and back to you, Jeb. That's good. Well, actually, it's back to Tim because we're going to read some super chats. Let's we do it. We got a lot great, of them. And, and, you know, the suggestion we had, <laughs> I said it as more of a joke. We got to figure out how to get this done. Josiah Ramirez said, uh, that dude's beard is the Bitcoin of beards. <laughs> take it. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it. Uh, well, Tim will take that, I guess. Tom Wilkes said, snowboarding meetup only if it's in Florida so we don't get cold. That'd be great. We'd all just stand there and, and strap think, in and just kind of stand there and not do anything. I think that's called surfing. That's called, sur yeah, that's called surfing. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> that is called surfing. Josiah Ramirez says, you cut it, how dare you, LL. I don't know if he's talking about my beard. I definitely did not cut my beard. Uh, so I'm I have sorry. not seen Tim clean shaven since I met him like three and a half years ago. I don't think that you ever will. Crypto Alchemist says, well, we well, can the first time I saw, the first time I saw Tim without a beard was I was sit sitting at his wife Taylor's desk and I was picture. wondering what, what man she was kissing in the yeah. photo. 
and I was like, oh, that's Tim because it's all clean shaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right, Crypto Alchemist said weekend cabin rental in the mountains, barbecue, boards, beers, and Bitcoin. Ooh, Let's get it. That sounds great. Yeah. Hey, Let's go. Listen, that doesn't sound bad. We'll take over a mountain. It'll be yeah. a crypto takeover. It'll be a crypto jet mountain. Copter Tesla said V chain V. Uh, V-Chain, what you think on the TA on it, please. Thanks. We might have time to get into V-Chain here in a little bit. We're going to have time for a couple of snap, a couple of altcoin snapshots. So we'll take, we'll t- we can take a look at V-Chain here in a little bit. You guys I, I will say it. V-Chain, they just, I think they had some big news. It was, it was in the last three or four days. They, they're moving their headquarters. I think they're trying to shake this whole notion of being they're trying to shake the Chinese, Chinese country. Yeah. So they have a, they're moving the headquarters. I can't remember San Marino or some, some, somewhere in Europe, uh, as oh, well as, uh, adding a lot of other, I think they actually even launched a, a V-Chain based stable as well and they're doing a they're, they've actually been doing a lot of development within uh within their ecosystem so yeah i'd be mm. interested to see some ta in that too million yeah. subs and we'll shave the beard how about that tim that's not true that's not true <laughs> i'll shave my beard for a million subs it grows I, back in like a day I, so yeah i don't know what it would take for me to shave my beard it'll uh, grow back in like six i months. think if i had to save my family from like doom i would shave my beard but that's about i like it. how you it have takes, to ask that question though that's that takes me three weeks to get this little beard seed that i have yeah i know i've got such a for real <laughs> baby face i feel that dude <laughs> Fairly insane. Said, curious on your take on Node as a service protocols for passive income, and if you run on nodes, maybe an interesting topic. Appreciate all you guys do. Um, I don't personally have any input on that, Kelly. Do you? Not, not a single word. <laughs> but uh, sometimes yeah. we learn from you guys in chat. We can't. There's so many. There's too many darn projects. Crypto so to big keep, now. To keep, to keep uh, in check as it's well true. as you know writing the show and also doing all the other. It's it's uh we're we're daily juggling 42 knives at once. So yeah, we'll look into it. Sometimes yeah, we cover. Sure. Wait, you're only juggling knives. I'm juggling like torches over here. Oh, you're juggling torches? Yeah. I'm juggling knives like on fire. It's crazy, man. It's making all kinds of right, uh, Ahmed Ali said, We miss you, Tim. Welcome back. Love you guys. I'm glad to be back. Like I said, it was a great trip. It was a great trip, but I'm very excited to be back. I love this job. Love this this group, this company, everything going on. Uh, it's it's hard work, but I love hard work. So that's, yeah. You know. Mike you, Mike Casio, I think Casio said, "I recently bought Luxago. Oh, this is a good question. Woo. I recently bought Luxago, and I noticed that its buy and sell signals lag compared to the overbought, oversold buy signal indicator. Do you know why this is? Overbought, oversold indicator." Is he talking about? I'm not sure which part he's talking about. Do you, does he mean? Is it the trend reversal? Are you talking about trend catcher or trend reversal? It, 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 so I will say, oh, I think he's talking about the actual buy. You know where it says yeah. buy and sell. Those and, tend to lag. I, but yeah. the, the whole thing, the whole our whole point with Luxalgo, we want to make sure everybody hears this regularly because yeah. I think some people misread this, and, and that's why uh, Jeb went over earlier a number of different signals he is waiting for. Not one, and this isn't just Luxalgo. This is anything. You don't. You also don't trade just on MACD. You don't trade just on RSI. You don't trade just on uh, breaking pattern you want to have a confluence of as many signals as you can and so with lux you don't just do buy and sell signals you do buy and sell the direction of the oscillator flipping or expanding reversal zones trend catcher eq cloud you want to look at the full picture yeah absolutely no you're totally right so what i would say to that is that there's different parts of Lux Algo that flash bullish or bearish at different times. So you want to watch for all of them to come into uh, confluence. Uh, Kelly, earlier, I don't know if you saw it. I said we should all take espresso shots whenever you say confluence and we'll all go to the emergency room for heart failure because we'd be taking so much coffee. But um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Kelly likes espresso, so I'm sure you'd be down for that. <laughs> but no, I, you have to look for all of the indicators to come together. There's always going to be one indicator that's going to come first. 
on bullish. Sometimes it's going to be RSI. Sometimes it'll be MACD. Sometimes it'll be TG Sequential. Sometimes it'll be Sport and Resistance. Sometimes it'll be, um, you know, it, 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 it. Sometimes it'll be Lux Algos oscillators, or sometimes it'll be a buy signal. Or sometimes it'll be literally anything. Market cipher parts of it. You're never going to see one indicator always leading or one indicator always lagging. You're always going to see them. Well, I mean, actually, there are times where sometimes they're always going to be doing something, but normally you're going to see one happen and then the other and then the other and then the other. And you look for multiple confirmations. So you look for five or six signals that are telling you to buy rather than just one. And then we have one more super chat I want to read here before we jump into Ethereum by a guy named Marketing Man Shan. Donated $5. He said, who's the best CMO in the world? I don't know. I don't really know any CMOs, and so I, I can't really tell you who the best one is. But what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and jump into Ethereum technical analysis. Kelly, Altair, can you tell us a little bit about the upgrade, Altair, that just happened to ETH 2.0? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'd take that back. Not absolutely, but mm. most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, yeah, Altair, it's just an upgrade uh, uh, that, that that's coming on from uh, the Beacon chain. Uh, it happened it happened very, I, I can't remember the exact date, but in the last in the last uh, uh, couple of days, uh, and, and it went very smoothly. I think over 98 or 99% of the, uh, of the nodes uh, that are on the uh, Ethereum network have upgraded, uh, they're basically upgraded with... Uh, in, in line with this uh, Altair upgrade, uh, and it's, it's essentially I'm actually going to read here because it's quite a, it's a few things. But Altair introduced two primary changes. Firstly, it added support for lo- uh, light clients, which are low sourced, uh, low resource nodes that follow the chain with fewer features and slightly weaker security assumptions. Uh, basically, you know, like nodes for like you do like on your phone or your browser. And secondly, increased the penalties for being offline and for slashing. These penalties were set low from Genesis, so we don't. So essentially, they're they're trying to uh, upgrade their ability to be more broadly used and accessible, uh, and also, uh, improve the security and improve the, uh, not only improve, but encourage people's activity and staying active and staying uh, running on, on on solid uptime with their nodes, so they're not they're not having so they, so they prevent sort of downtime on the network or congestion and the, all those sorts of things. Did anybody catch how I accidentally slipped an Assassin's Creed reference in there and called it Altair? That's that was that was a misspeak right there. Anyway, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and look at Ethereum's price because it's not just the fundamentals of Ethereum that are updating; it is also its price. And the thing I want to show you on ETH is that it is doing something very similar to Bitcoin. It is in an end versus head and shoulders pattern. As we can see, there's a left shoulder here, a head right there, and a right shoulder there. It has had a bit of a drop, as Bitcoin has as well. But the fact is, it's still in an inverse head and shoulders pattern. And if we zoom out, we can see that it is actually looking pretty strong as a market. <clears throat> it's not going to be as hard for it to break its neckline because its neckline is currently trending to the downside. It's currently sitting around $3,200. And if Ethereum is able to break that, then we're going to move to the upside big time. But the thing I need you to keep in mind with Ethereum and with the rest of the cryptocurrency markets is that they're following Bitcoin right now. We can see it happening with the dominance charts. Bitcoin rallies and the altcoin markets are not keeping up. You can see here, Ethereum has lost some of its dominance. The other uh, market here, so that's everything other than Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Binance Coin, USD Coin, XRP, Cardano, Solana, Avalanche, and Terra. Everything other than those has lost its market dominance from 22% down to 21%. So a lot of the cryptocurrencies are flushing out into Bitcoin, and that actually is what ends up happening at the end of a trend. That's what ends up happening at the end of a downtrend in the beginning of a new uptrend. So that's what we're seeing happen here on ETH. Now, as far as the price action is concerned, 
it has rallied quite substantially. It's up 40 some percent in the last 25 days. And it does see that it has bullish MACD and it does have bullish RSI divergence. We're sitting up here in the bullish control zone of the RSI. So that's all great. That's all fine and dandy. The problem that I'm running into is that the volume is actually dropping. Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The volume on Ethereum, at least on the charts I'm looking at, has actually declined. And it makes me worry that Ethereum might be doing the exact same thing as Bitcoin, where it's going into this sideways movement over the last seven to 10 days, and that it could be losing some of its bullishness. Do you think that's what we're seeing happen on the alpha of layer twos? Yeah, no, it is. It, it, I wish that the crypto market just moved with our desires and our hopium and our, hey, I really, really, really am tired of the price going down. I just want to go up. But that's just not how it works. And and right now what we're seeing in the crypto market, I, I think we're seeing the signs that the bottom is potentially already in, but but you know we're a good way away from the bottom now that we're not done with this short-term bottom, uh, and that it, it's it, there's not a guarantee that we're ready to just explode right now, which is what people want, and that's why they get people get upset when someone comes on and says, "Hey guys, Ethereum and Bitcoin aren't ready to rally just yet," because mm -hmm. that it, it goes against their desire. But the point when you want to be a serious investor, well, let me start with this. If you want to invest, go ahead. It's, it's actually a great spot. If we're talking years from now with Bitcoin or Ethereum, great spot to get in. But if you're a day trader, then no, this is not a great spot to get in. There's a lot of unknowns. And, and I think that's where it really boils down to, hey, if I'm trying to day trade and constantly within a couple of days, buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, this is not a great buy spot. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great sell spot either. I don't think, no, I don't think it take, is at all. Profit, but I, 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 if anyone thinks that they're going to get in right now and be able to take a long position and make thousands of dollars, that's not true. I think there's some downside still to go. Whether or not, you know, I think the case is still out there to retest lower 2000 maybe go down to 2200 or so. I don't think that's very strong anymore. I think there are some indicators that have kind of canceled that out. But but going back down to around 2700, maybe 2600, that's not out of the cards. And and so I I'm there's a chance we don't do it. But as great of a chance as us not doing it, there's a great chance that we do do it. Yeah. And I think people need to be aware of it. Yeah, so here's the deal with Ethereum, guys. I'm not going to do a ton of TA on it because it basically looks the same as it did yesterday. And it also basically looks the same as Bitcoin right now. It's following Bitcoin's lead. If Bitcoin is a big breakout, then Ethereum is going to follow. Ethereum is likely going to not be the leader of any major rally, but it is likely going to end up doing very well once Bitcoin starts to flourish. So that's what my take is on that. But yesterday, we told you guys that we were going to do some TA on Gala because we did some on AVAX. It came down to Gala and AVAX. We did. A, uh, AVAX. Now we're going to look at Gala. Gala is one of the leading blockchain gaming uh, projects in the cryptocurrency market. It's currently worth $2.3 trillion, 2.3 bones. It's sitting at rank 50, and we're going to take a look at its price action. A lot of you guys, big fans of Gala with all of the games over on that. A lot of play to earn action going on over there. A lot of people making a ton of money on Gala. There are people, there are kids, they're 13, 14, 15 years old, making more money doing play to earn gaming on Gala than their parents make being neurosurgeons. There is a lot of money in this project. And it is one of the probably one of the first really hardcore studios and blockchain gaming projects that there is. It's up there with Axie Infinity. I would say that it is one of the it is one of the it is one of the projects that is most likely to go uh, and be in the top three gaming projects in the future. I would say it and Axie Infinity are, are the two most vibrant communities right now in the blockchain gaming sector. But one of the first things that jumps out of you when you look at Gala over Tether is that it's in an inverse head and shoulders pattern as well. It's doing the exact same thing as Bitcoin. Guys, the entire cryptocurrency market is moving together right now. That's why our TA has been relatively short and we've been focusing more on discussion in the last couple of weeks of shows because all the markets are doing the same thing. They've all come in confluence with each other and they're all moving together. So, uh, Gala right now doing a very similar thing that Bitcoin and ETH is doing. 
It was in a downtrend. It bottomed out on January the 22nd. It's rallied over the last 25 days. It's actually up 125%. So you look at a project like a Bitcoin and you look at Bitcoin and you say, oh, okay, well, it's up 34%. You look at Ethereum and you say, oh, well, Ethereum's up, you know, 41%. And then you look at Gala and Gala's over here up 100 plus percent, sitting at 113% rallied over the last 25 days. And you start asking yourself the question, why? Why has it rallied this much? Well, the thing you have to realize is that what NFTs were to 2021, I believe that blockchain blockchain gaming will be to 2022 and 2023. I think you are going to see a massive explosion in blockchain gaming. And instead of seeing some of the leaders in blockchain gaming like Gala and Axie Infinity, trading at $2.3 trillion market cap, Axie trading at $3.8 billion, which by the way, they just did a rebrand. If you look at these projects, instead of them trading here in the low billions, I think you're going to see them trading in the tens of billions, if not multiple tens of billions in the next 18 months. And the reason is, as people come online to blockchain, you get a lot of gamers. How often do people in the block, in the cryptocurrency space play video games? Drop a one in chat if you're a gamer. One, as of four months ago, I used to be a giant gamer. I would spend hours and I, I would spend, you know, 20 hours a week playing video games for 10 years. I was a huge gamer. I deleted my Steam account and 100 games and 10,000 hours of gameplay time that was logged on Steam because it was unhealthy for me. I wasn't able to play video games in a healthy manner and my life is much better since I've done that, but I have no problem with video games. I think they're great. I think you can learn a lot from them. I think it's great for the way your brain works. I think it's a great thing that humanity has discovered and started doing in the last several decades. And as people come online in crypto, Naturally, you're going to see a lot of gamers coming online in crypto. As you see more gamers coming online in crypto, then there's going to be a larger voter base, basically of people that can vote with their dollars and with their sats of what games they find interesting. They're going to start saying, okay, well, I like Axie, or I like Gala, or I like this, this game on Gala, but not this one, or I like this other project. And you're going to start to see healthy competition develop, and then really, really powerful gaming studios are going to rise up doing it on blockchain. The one major issue that you run into is that blockchain gaming is a lot harder to develop on than traditional gaming. And the industry is does not exist just yet. You don't have a AAA gaming company in blockchain, but you do see AAA companies in the traditional space moving into blockchain. So that's where the future is going. We're going to see a major movement in blockchain gaming because now, instead of the only two ways to monetize you playing video games being becoming a YouTuber or being insanely good at esports, you're now going to be able to make a living through play to earn video gaming. And that is going to drive millions of people into the gaming space in an even bigger way than they already have been. So that's the long-term perspective on Gala. On the shorter-term perspective on Gala, it isn't a bull flag, and this bull flag does have a very interesting price target. That price target is at 60 cents, which would basically be a double from where it is right now. <clears throat> if you're looking to invest in the blockchain gaming ecosystem, I think now is a great time to invest. I don't know that it's a great time to trade, but I do think it's a great time to invest, and I think Gala and Axie Infinity are two of the best, um, the, the, the closest to blue-chip stocks that you're going to find in the gaming se uh, sector. You're also looking other projects, like I believe one's called Ultra. That's trying to be the steam of blockchain gaming. I'm looking into that one more here relatively soon. Seems very interesting. Blockchain gaming, in my opinion, is a big part of the future. But I want to ask Smay's opinion on this because I know you know a little bit more about gaming than, for example, like a Tim does, who Tim plays FIFA and Madden, and that's all about all he knows about it. But Smay, what is your take on the blockchain gaming industry? Do you think the next two years are going to look like what I just described? Um, Full screen. <laughs> I've said it many, many times, and I'm actually, you know what, I'm tired of being at least perceived as a Debbie Downer. I actually think blockchain gaming is the future of gaming. Uh, I just here think, first, folks. Future of blockchain. I, I think the, the, uh, the issue here is more so we need to, we need to take, 
temper our emotions a little bit. And excitement is an emotion, just so you know. And so that's part of of trading and investing well is looking at things very, very analytically and pulling your excitement out of it for a second. Uh, when you wade through the excitement, there's not much there right now. There is a lot. There is projects that are now. And the more that they, they develop, I think you can really catch on to a good project here. I think Gala is starting to prove itself as something that is a worthwhile investment. And it seems like it's making itself uh, making its case. That's probably going to stick around. But that's the biggest thing is you have to make sure you're you're watching these projects and digging deep to know, hey, am I confident this is going to stick around? Or is this proving the concept that then a bigger company with more resources is going to come out, come behind it and it, make it better and then and take it over. Yeah. Right? So that's the where you're always going to have to watch for that. So ultimately, that's my that's my take is saying at this point, if you want to put some some small investments in it and just keep an eye on it. And if you're really invested in doing the analytical approach and not just chasing the excitement, who knows what 20 what year the year of 2022 or 2023 is going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there will be excitement, but you have to uh, make sure that you're analyzing that and not just jumping into something. And I think it's also very important that you realize in play to earn, there are two, there are different ways that you can build a play to earn blockchain gaming ecosystem. You can build it in a very good way or a very bad way. I am not somebody who is heavily involved in the gaming industry and the blockchain gaming sector, so I'm not going to profess to be an expert on the way that that all works. But what I am going to say is that there are, there is the possibility of building a blockchain gaming um, project that's basically just a pyramid scheme and another BitConnect. So you got to be careful about what blockchain gaming platforms you get into. I don't believe Axie Infinity and Gal to fall into that category, but you do have to be careful about some of the smaller ones because in the same way that Cardano is trying to build things in a very strong way and then get market capitalization, whereas other projects in the cryptocurrency space are trying to get giant and then come back in and backfill the tech. You want to make sure you're looking at blockchains, uh, blockchain gaming protocols like that as well. You want to be looking for ones that have great tech, have great underlying economics, uh, great underlying game economics, and then look into investing in them and then playing those games. So, Tim, I was kind of ragging on you there for a second, but I'm sure you have a thought on blockchain gaming. What are your thoughts about this? I, I, I'm going to say the same thing I, I will about NFTs. I'm not, I was never a baseball card trader. I'm, I don't understand art. Like, if I had taken a college class on art appreciation, I probably would have failed because I just don't get it. <laughs> what I get is that other people appreciate it. What I get is that other people will spend X amount of dollars on things. So I think as far as gaming, you know, I'm never going to be the number one consumer on that. But I understand that that is a massive influence in the world. In the same way, I think a lot of people, you know, my world is sports. And, and Jeb, your world isn't sports, but you appreciate the mass adoption of sports yeah. and people's desires. It's, it's almost like the flip-flop. I think that there is going to be a massive amount of adoption and a massive amount of money going into the gaming market. So it's something that potentially I would invest in the projects. Uh, it is something I'm, I'm curious on. Is, is any of the projects we see happening right now, are those the long-term big dogs in the video game race on blockchain technology? Or is there going to be a new one that that, that jumps in? Is, is one of the, the common gaming companies right now, just on normal video game systems, are they going to jump into blockchain and create their own thing? That's that's something to look at. The same thing with NFTs. I don't, I don't buy NFTs, just so you guys know, but I'm super excited about the technology technology of NFTs and the future. So I want to buy layer two solutions that create NFTs. I want to buy those projects because of what they're going to build for the future yeah. with stuff that doesn't have to do with like art and like monkeys and, and whatnot. So, Ke- so Kelly, let's let's ask you that question. Do you think that we're going to see the AAA studios come into blockchain gaming be built from the ground up? Or do you think that we're going to see some of the big gaming companies as they already are come into the blockchain gaming sector and then they will be the ones that start to take over? How do you think that we're going to see this industry mature? 
Well, I've got a two part kind of answer to that. I think for the best, uh, for the best development and, and the, uh, the fewest problems, I think, uh, what would need to happen would be something to be launched from the ground up. But what's more likely to happen is because of market share and the power, like for instance, if some, if, uh, What's uh, Minecraft? For instance, Minecraft is oh such gosh, a massive. I, so many hours I mean, in I, think, Minecraft. I, I don't. I don't even know what it is. You. you I've been playing Minecraft since 2011. No, <laughs> I, I got into Minecraft in the beta. I was in sixth grade. But you would know this more than me. They they have some sort of ridiculous, not only user base, oh, hell but yeah. the, like the, the number of views that they have of people watching oh, yeah. Minecraft. No, YouTube, YouTube on, talks it's, about it's this. Massive. We passed YouTube passed a trillion Minecraft views a while back. They so YouTube had it on their banner. A trillion Minecraft views. That's ridiculous. Uh, I think That's so, I think Minecraft could really benefit from some blockchain. You know no, no, no. Oh my yeah, gosh. Right? The block building. <laughs> no, but That's my point hilarious. being is if Minecraft came in uh and really, really took uh took on the, you know, uh, integrating with blockchain and then other games mm. that like uh, Grand Theft Auto or Assassin's Creed or, or any of these, you know, Blizzard Studios, uh, Activision, all these uh, all these major studios. I think Blizzard and Activision are the same company now. But yeah. um, I think they will try. And I think they'll, some of them will do a good job. Some of them will swing and miss because they're just going to try and ride the wave. But I do think on the one hand that would bring massive, massive, massive growth because they have such large user bases. Uh, so I'm just hoping that they don't just try to piecemeal it together yeah. and add it to say that they they've added it where it's not really fully thought through and developed. So that's sort of my hesitation about it. But at the end of the day, it, it would be majorly bullish uh, for crypto in general, but also in the, the like very rapid expansion of adoption. It probably would increase the adoption curve uh, quite drastically if, if they if the dominoes fell consecutively between the major game studios yeah so guys what i think we're going to see happen a couple of my final thoughts here is i think one you're going to see uh the you're you're probably going to see the mobile gaming part of the gaming industry moving on blockchain faster than the pc and and uh, console gaming uh sectors because the reason is it's it's much more difficult to develop a um uh, a game on blockchain just by the nature of how blockchains are built at the moment that'll get better with time but it's a lot easier to build a mobile game mobile games are already used to being restricted by hardware and software limitations. So we're probably going to see mobile gaming really start to take off in blockchain gaming. That's why you see all of these blockchain gaming uh, things. They're, they're not, you're not seeing photorealistic games like an Uncharted 5 or whatever built on blockchain. Game, on blockchain. You're seeing very cartoony Farmville looking games built on it. So you're probably going to see the mobile gaming sector moving in that direction. And my final thought is that I just I would really love for Among Us to be on blockchain gaming because I'll make an exception to my fast from gaming to play some blockchain gaming on Among Us. That would be pretty um, funny. Can I say one last thing? Sure, and then we're going to do VChain. I, I, I actually think my my here's my mm, crystal ball <laughs> prediction all right I think when we're talking AAA uh, studios getting into NFTs, I think it's going to start, and I think, uh, NFT, sorry, I just gave away what I was going to say. The future of the, where we're going to see this year and next year with gaming uh, in terms of the space is it's going to start with NFTs. Uh, I think that they're going to start turning some uh, items in game and using those as kind of a separate NFT thing. I don't think games are going to, for a little while, games that are mainstream that people are playing, unless, like, I agree with you, Jeb, 100%. Block, blockchain native games, named, uh, games built on blockchain, will probably only really start taking off on uh, on mobile, which is a huge market. So that's huge not even, a, that's yeah, not even not an a issue. That's not an issue to say not invest in it. But I'm saying, once you get into that gigantic gamer, like, E3 market share, you know, 
that is going to be where I think it's going to start with just NFTs and they're going to get these companion blockchains that they're using their items on that people can buy and sell kind of like Rocket League or CSGO if you know even know what I'm talking about those in-game items they weren't even built on blockchain but they, they sold be. you could be you could be millionaires just by selling those items. Yep. Um, so it is one of those things that I think it's going to start with implementing NFTs into gaming. I, I think until the merit of building a game purely on blockchain is proven, right, to where it makes sense for a company to completely restructure its development operation and teach all these developers new ways to code and all this stuff, until the it's worth it, to and start investing in building yeah. games from scratch and blockchain, it's they're not going to do it. They're going to start by doing the easy thing, yep. which is implement uh, NFTs. And the final thing I'll say on this, and then we're going to go to Super Chats, is that patience is key. Patience tested is patience built. Guys, the fact of the matter is, it took 55, 60 years to build the modern gaming industry, which is a juggernaut that's worth billions of dollars. It's going to take time for the blockchain gaming industry to evolve that way as well. It is going to happen, but it is going to take time. And by the way, it's going to happen a lot faster because now we have computers, which we barely even had computers when gaming got started. We didn't have the internet, so everything was physically delivered. We have all of that now. So blockchain gaming is going to be developed much quicker because we're basically just transitioning firmware, if you will, and the, and the underlying architecture of the gaming ecosystem. But it is going to take time, but there is a lot of money in it. And I do think that projects like Gala and Axie uh, have potential 10 to 50x returns built into them. And some of these other projects that are smaller, that are sleepers, have well over 100x built into them. So you just have to be, you have to pick your bets carefully and understand that Atari used to be the biggest name in gaming and Atari went bankrupt and then got bought and then completely failed because it didn't keep up with the time. So just be careful about being so, you know, gung-ho on a gala or so gung-ho on an Axie or on something else because those names might not last. They just might not. So you just have to be careful that the industry of blockchain gaming is basically guaranteed to go through a massive amount of growth in the next three to five years. With that said, let's read some Super Chats. Yeah, here we go. We got one from Jason Clark. <laughs> he just reached out and said, hey, you missed my Super Chat. Here we go, Jason. This is for you. There we go. Uh, thank you, Team Jeb, for everything. What about purple candles on three daily? Doesn't that mean it's weak? All those candles are purple. Why or why or why should we not care? So why why or why not? Why or why not should we care? So three daily chart on Lux Algo. Let's go ahead and take a look at this. Let's see. I don't know if your signals are set up the same way as mine because I do not see purple on my three daily chart. But what if you're but if you're seeing purple, what you're seeing is that well you you really shouldn't be seeing purple yet no yeah, try it try seeing. it try it maybe with Haikanashi candles or something Haikanashi let me see if it changes with Haiken let me look at Haiken over here on Haiken uh, Lux Algo it's actually purple. has a buy signal on the three daily chart on Haikanashi that's yeah, and, and it's purple and it's yeah, purple. purple so if he's looking at it on Haikanashi what the purple just means and we actually interviewed well we didn't it wasn't an interview we went to lunch with the founder of Lux Algo and we asked him what's your favorite part of Lux Algo holy cow this is really good Wow, I just discovered that Heiken Ashi chart with Lux Algo is solid. Man, I'm going to use this more. Look at how amazing this is. Look at these signals, guys. These are, like, perfect. That's ridiculous. Are you guys seeing this on the playback? This is insane. Anyway, the Heiken Ashi chart with Lux Algo, I just realized how powerful that is. I'm going to be showing you guys that again. That looks incredible. I'm going to do some historical analysis on that. Purple candlesticks just means weak. That's all it means. When you see green or you see red, that means strong, either strong buy or strong sell. Purple candlestick color just means that you have a weak signal. So on the three daily chart with with uh, traditional Lux Algo signals, we do see a buy signal and we do see the the purple color. That just means that we have a weak buy signal. That doesn't mean that we're not going to move to the upside. We saw a purple coloring for five candlesticks back over here in July, moving into early August, and then it turned into strong. And we're likely going to see the exact same thing happen over here if Bitcoin continues to rally. Basically, all it means is that we're weak right now, but we're going to get there. <laughs> and, he, just, and he just clarified in chat. <laughs> he just clarified in chat. He meant the daily chart, so he didn't even mean the Heikinashi. Okay, I was confused. <laughs> 
I was like, on three daily chart, I'm not seeing that. On the daily chart, it is purple, and the reason it's purple oh, is because we just haven't seen the confirmation just yet. We saw yeah. one little green, and then it went back to purple because we just haven't rallied enough. Once we do see that turn into a solid, strong green, that's going to be a great signal, and we can look for that for more confirmation over the next few days. And I just wanted to, for, for people that aren't aware, you know, that sometimes people get stuck on one, one chart where they're looking at hiking, or sorry, regular candles, hollow candles. Uh, definitely, I would recommend anybody that's looking at the line chart, definitely don't do that. No, but if, uh, no. if you're curious, the difference between a regular candle and a Heikinashi candle, Heikinashi, they're both, uh, you know, derived from Japanese candlesticks back when they did rice trade, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago. But essentially, the Heikinashi candle, uh, a lot of traders use because uh, it averages the price data within that, that candle and cuts out a little bit of the market noise. Yeah. Uh, and it's more about the where the average price, the majority of the price action happened within that candle. So you get a little bit clearer picture. And the, the color of the candles is also more relevant to the uh, current trend you're in. So even though you might have a candle uh, having dropped within yep. that candle open or close, it might still stay green or stay red depending on what trend it is. So it's a lot easier to see the trend. So, so make that's sure the difference you between. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were done. Oh, I was just going to say, so just make sure whenever you're looking at your charts, uh, it's always, it always benefits you one to look at different time frames, and also to look at different, uh, to look at different, uh, candle, candle formations or candle structures, uh, because it, it you'll get a lot clearer and broader data about what you're looking at data, Absolutely. not data. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not Australian. <laughs> and sorry to cut you off there, Kelly. That was unintentional. Anyway, what, what How I want to say, you? I'm sorry, Kelly. Oh my gosh. Anyway, what I was going to say is if you want to learn more about high and you want to learn more about Lux Algo, then you should check out the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy because we teach both of them in that do. course. So I let's do. finish reading these super chats. Yeah, we go speed round. Uh, Pardeep Gill said, any comments about improved ADAX version 1.1? Kelly, 15 seconds. You go. <laughs> you talked about it yesterday. Uh, 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 ADAX version 1.1, they they basically updated a lot of the backend systems. They did a couple small improvements on the actual user-facing, uh, you know, the UI, the user-facing uh, interface, but they also adjusted some of the smart contract stuff on the backend, as well as changing the way the, U2X, the UTXOs uh, basically parse out. Uh, they basically group transactions into bunches, so the transactions happen at a lot faster speed uh, than if you were on SundaySwap or Muesli or or any of these other DEXs that are on the Cardano chain, they basically yep. figured out a way to mitigate and reduce uh, and improve the transaction speed uh, between those things. And they also added uh, another wallet. I think it's CC Vault uh, connectivity, and uh, they'll be adding... Uh, I can't remember a Jiro wallet soon as well. And uh, I think uh, now that they have that version 1.1 up, uh, they're also in uh, deep talks with a bunch of the different coin projects that are already listed on there to start uh, uh, pumping in yeah. uh, uh, some liquidity uh, and some DVL. But a lot of the liquidity is going to uh, be, I don't want to say delayed, but it's going to be, you're going to have to be a little bit patient with that until some of the uh, other functionality yep. is added uh, with version two and the, the other things that are cool. coming. But a lot of great things. The team's been hard at work and uh, I'm still super bullish as I could be on it. And the price started already rebounding, so it's great. 14, 15 seconds. There we go. 15 Good seconds. Job. That was a great 15 uh, seconds. Fernando. Sorry, Kelly. I love you, Kelly. That was all really good stuff. That was great stuff, yeah. It was long. Fernando and Rio, they said thank you. Let's see. So, I mean, Fernando, thank you so much for the donation. Sean Frosch, who's been a Jedi Youngling now for two months, said thanks for changing my life. So, Sean, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for changing our lives. Siobhan Goley has a question. He said, Welcome back, Tim. Missed you. Hope you enjoyed your great vacation. What should be an ideal portfolio for two years and three years perspective? Uh, respectively, Jeb. It, dep 
you know, that's not a question I can just answer with no information. What I would encourage you to do is to focus on your education so that you don't, if you have, let me put it this way, and I say this with all due respect, this is not an attack or a slide on anyone. If you have to ask me that question, then you're not ready to be investing as much as you might be thinking about investing because you need to be able to answer that question confidently on your own. What I can tell you that I've done is I've said, how much money can I afford to invest? Basically, what I do by that is I say, okay, can I lose you know, $500,000. Okay, well, I'm only going to invest four, $400,000. Or can I invest, you know, can I lose $1.5 million? I'm only going to lose, I'm going to only going to invest one point two five. Or can I invest, you know, $100,000? I'm only going to invest $75,000. So that you, you figure out what can you invest and then take it back a step so that you don't even, you know, inch up to the line. And then you also have to figure out your time horizon. Like you said, you said two to three years, I think is what you said. So you've got an idea of your time horizon, but do you really only want to hold for two to three years? Do you really want to see Bitcoin go up to $100,000 and sell? Or do you want to hold Bitcoin for 10, 15 years where it might be at a million dollars of 2020? $22. What do you want to see happen there? You got to figure out your risk tolerance. You got to figure out your time horizon. You got to figure out how much you're willing to lose. And you also got to figure out what cryptocurrencies you believe in. But some somebody earlier was mocking me about the whole investing based on principles. I firmly stand by that methodology because mm. if you invest based off a of price, price comes and goes. Dogecoin had an amazing price. It rallied 2,000% and now it's down 80% because it wasn't built on principles. It wasn't built on purpose. It wasn't built on people and it wasn't built on product. It was built on price and it was built on FOMO. So when I invest, I look for principles. I look for Bitcoin to be built on principles of decentralization. I look for Ethereum to be built on principles of developing smart contracts and the next the next generation of government governance. I look for principles like in Cardano of inclusive accountability and proper governance structures, which Ethereum and Bitcoin struggle at. I look for principles like how AVAX splits up its transactions into multiple different chains and has infinite scalability. I look for principles when I see a currency that I don't want to invest in, like a Solana. I look at it and I say, oh man, this looks pretty centralized. I don't agree with that principle. I don't think that principle is going to survive because you're not investing in a cryptocurrency. You're investing in its principles. Because if it's not for principles, then what's the point of the entire cryptocurrency industry? Can we not make a digital currency without using blockchain? Of course we can. The U.S. government has basically done that. We talk about the U.S. dollar becoming a CBDC. It basically already is. How many transactions of the U.S. dollar happen in cold hard cash anymore? They all happen digitally. It's already a digital currency. If we want to build a digital currency without blockchain, that's already happened. We've been doing that for 40 years, ever since credit cards and debit cards started becoming a thing. That's not new. So if you're investing in cryptocurrency, you're investing in principles, you're investing in purpose, and hopefully you're investing in something that provides for people because that's why Bitcoin and crypto was founded. And if you're not looking for that and you're just looking for price, I can guarantee you that you're going to find lucrative alternatives that are going to rally a thousand percent that were unpredictable because they weren't founded on anything and then they're going to lose all of your money because they don't have the longevity. You don't buy into a penny stock that doesn't have an actual user base, that doesn't have an actual customer base, excuse me, that doesn't have an actual revenue stream, that doesn't actually have a proven business model and expect it to perform well in 20 years. It might rally a thousand percent and then drop 90 percent, but that's not an investable asset. When you invest in something like an Amazon or an Apple or a Google or a Facebook or a, you know the parent company Alphabet for, for Google, when you invest in that, you say, okay, it's got a great leadership team. It's got a great market. It's got a great uh, revenue stream. It's got a great user base. It's got great customers. It's got great you know, business developmental relationships. It's got great strategic partnerships. You look at these long-term fundamentals and principles. You look at what it was built on, and that will drive long-term revenue growth, and that will drive long-term market capitalization, not price. So I firmly believe that when you're investing and you're trying to figure out how much to invest and what to invest in, I can't tell you that because I'm not you. You know what your principles are. You know what your beliefs are. You need to figure those out. If you want to be a successful trader and investor, you first have to start by investing in yourself, not just in your education, although that is very important. You also have to invest in yourself to figure out who you are.
Because if you don't know who you are, then you're never going to know what currencies you vibe with. You might find out through investing in yourself that, hey, actually, I prefer centralized solutions because I don't want to deal with the decentralized nonsense of having to figure out how to verify things and build an interoperable blockchain ecosystem in Web3. You might find out that this isn't for you, and that's fine. Go work in real estate. Go work in the stock market. We've seen Warren Buffett build a $100 billion net worth working in the traditional markets. It can be done. But if you find out through understanding yourself and understanding your identity, what your principles are, then that's going to help you pick out the currencies that you should be investing in. It is kind of a cop-out answer because I can't give you a straight answer to your question. Only you can do that. But Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that before we wrap out the stream. No, I, I think that you summed it up really well. And, and there's one more super chat that just came in. It was from from the uh, from the same Jason Clarkson. Sorry for the confusion. Also, VeChain over Ethereum looks sexy. He's not wrong. Uh, if you want to go to my chart real quick, we'll show this real quick as we then send it back to Jeb. Look at, look at where a, a, a V chain over Ethereum is, it always seems to rebound right at this same level. We did it over here back in October of 19, did it right here in March of 20, did it right here in uh, February of 21. We're at that same level again in that falling wedge. You're not wrong, Jason Clark. That That's a good looking chart. Mm. V chain over Ethereum. Go check it out. Good deal. Well, guys, we're going to have to look at V chain tomorrow because we've run long here. But if you enjoyed today's stream, smash that like button and make sure to check out the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy. I want you guys to have the tools of the trade to go and make money money, trading, and investing in the cryptocurrency space. And as I just said, the number one investment you will ever make is an investment in yourself. That's your education. That's your identity. That's your habits and your disciplines. I want to help you to grow in that because if you want to achieve financial sovereignty, I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink. But what I can do is I can give you fresh water that will help you to understand how to actually work in this market. And I hope that that is what CT2A has done. We've helped 5,000 students learn how to work in these markets, and you can find the link for it down below. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media at CryptoJeb over on Instagram and Twitter and at CryptoJeb Official on TikTok. And make sure to subscribe to the channel and share the channel with 10 friends. You never know who you know that might get value out of what we are talking about and covering every single day. So please go and share this stream with all of your friends. Before we go though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching as always. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at McAfee Media.